0: And beautiful souls. Swales here introducing the episode. Can you believe this is our 10th episode? I know I'm proper buzzing to be here. It's amazing we've made it this far and we haven't suffered from the old uh, pod fades that I often read about. But yeah, welcome to our very special episode. This was going to be a lot different because for our celebratory episode, we decided to do a big ass interview type one. We've got a guest speaker on, Beverly Thornton, who is an amazing pagan photographer who did our recent celebratory photographs for the uh, for the podcast. Out in the wilderness with some toys and some props and my broom and a coffee cup and they came out so good. You'll probably have seen one or two on our instagram but we're gonna you know slowly drip feed you them because we don't want to blow all all the poppers at once but they were brilliant they were such a joy to do and as we were doing them it became obvious that we should interview beverly because of all the knowledge she had on photography but like the history of witches represented you know they were represented in the early 20th century how it was very much you know male gaze masculine dominated view of women how you know like sexy a witch were portrayed sort of soft porn and then we'll go through the 20th century and see how it progressed you know like when real witches started getting photoed and and stuff and she talks about the um, hags and slags movement which makes me laugh just so much (laughs) you know and where the typical witch how the look of the the typical witch you know like grot bags the green face with the cornflakes stuck on your chin and you know she briefly speaks about how it all began and, and where we are now and her own journey as a photographer who takes pictures of the pagan community it's a really interesting episode and there's lots of names you can go research and find out more about history wise not just photography but like the whole movement of wicked and witchcraft and paganism. I do apologize for the sound quality we unfortunately had to do it on zoom because it was a freeway call and the internet was just not our friend and I've tried to edit best I can but there is some bits that that i can't seem to get around i've tried quite hard i hope it's not too much of a pain for your ears to listen but it is well worth sticking around yeah notice wise i have had well it's the six week holiday now is not it so everything's going to be a little bit delayed because we've got and our little ones off school for six whole weeks during the summer and so there'll be a lot of camping and holidays and being away and day tripping also since i last spoke to you I took a plunge and I went in to meet the people who run the Bone Down community. So it's a poetry community that are all about taking public spaces back. So they meet publicly in parks around Leeds City Centre and the surrounding boroughs. There's no money involved. They just have a banner that says Bone Down and people go and read their poetry there. So I took a plunge to meet them because I was a Tuesday free, which doesn't happen during school time. And I signed up and I read three of my poems out, which was so scary, but also quite uplifting. And and I was really proud of myself. that I took a plunge and I did it, but bloody hell, my heart was pumping. <laughs> so on the 20th of August, I am going to be at their event in Headingley, I think it is, in the Poetry rooms in Headingley and it's going to be twelve till six. Celebratory event celebrating the launch of their bone down poetry zine, which yours truly has also got a poem in the pages of. So I will be there reading my poetry out aloud. If you're around and you're free, come on down see the the face behind the uh, <laughs> random bamboins on this podcast. LS sixteen makers market. So this is a local talent market which is going to be every second sunday of the month at high farm in ls16 there's going to be a lot of different types of people there some spiritual some not i'll be there with my bell tent, offering affordable reiki in my little delilah and i'll have a few decks and witchcraft associated tools that you can have a, a, gander, at, have a gander at and maybe purchase but mainly i just want to meet you um the last time i was out i was doing Reiki at left bank in the cozy caravan and a fan came over to me and gave me a crocheted toadstool and i was just absolutely chuffed of it it was such a lovely thing to receive and yeah i just want to say thank you to that listener because it really does mean a lot to me i like receiving gifts it is a joy to be known and to be appreciated because i do this in my own time for free i love doing it but it can be a bit stressful and time consuming but yes thank you for the gift i absolutely adore it Uh, and the next time i'm at left bank i think is the 6th of september from 6 p.m onwards in the cozy caravan feel free to contact me on my instagram or the bell podcast instagram whichever is easiest sign to my dms And we can arrange to book you in. Anyway, that'll be it now from swales and all the chuntering going on. I just felt like I needed to give you a bit of a notice board because we're going to go dive straight in now to Beverly's guest spot on the podcast. So enjoy, grab yourself a drink, put your feet up, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the Bell Witch Podcast. This is a special episode because we've got another awesome witchy guest in. I'd like you to meet Beverly Thornton. Witch extraordinaire who is an amazing photographer who took all our pictures for the Bell Witch podcast promo stuff so welcome Beverly. Thank you Emma it's a pleasure to be here
1: and, uh, and it's yeah. interesting that because I don't really identify as a witch I
0: identify as pagan, but not witch. My mistake yeah. sorry yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> presuming there. Okay so John, to tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for inviting me on here. I've had the pleasure in of, of doing a personal project based on paganism, which her uh, own case dates back probably to the 1990s, although I've always felt pagan, but uh, I think it was the 1990s when I suddenly sort of realised there was a name for it and, and kind of identified with that term. So I had the opportunity as a, an amateur photographer to um, do an online mentoring course. I felt a bit stagnant in my photography and I wanted to do something with a little bit more vigour um, and rigour. And so I joined up to a, an online mentoring course with uh, Maria Faulkner and Paul Hill, who are two very eminent photographers. Uh, Paul Hill actually has an MBE in service to photography. But, um, Maria has got a, an amazing portfolio. She specialises a lot in dance photography and is currently doing some amazing work with dancers in the Ukraine. In those circumstances out there in, in war in a war zone pretty eminent stuff you know stuff that you think Woo, but um i just felt i wanted something a bit deeper than, than the kind of photography i was doing so it was a bit of an eye-opener it was a bit like going back to school or uni or college or something you know with the the kind of depth that you had to go into it and doing research and really thinking about your practice out of that um one of the things we had to do was a short project it had to be completed between september and December of 2021, which was the, the length of the mentorship. So I thought about it and I thought, what would I really like to, to photograph? You know, it needed to be something that felt meaningful. And of course, that was the run-up to Halloween. <laughs> and suddenly you're seeing all these images everywhere of witches who look like goth Barbies. You know, they're absolutely sort of curvy and immaculate, impossibly good-looking. particular thing that that kind of triggered it was someone who makes fire pits. He did this wonderful fire pit that was this outline of a witch but again it was this just this stereotype and i thought we still have that old um which has been called hags and slags um, stereotype <laughs> oh of, of witches
2: you know they're either
1: kind of all warty and and you know bro you know horrible old thrones or there is impossibly sexy women that are very much determined by the male gaze yeah and that impossible standard of, of women's beauty and i thought i know lots of pagans and witches and they're all beautiful but none of them look like that You know, that's an impossible standard that's being brought onto a group of people that generally are much more, you judge their beauty by their spirituality and their power and their energy. It's not so much about the surface. So it just felt such an unfair representation. So from that, I thought I'm going to do a project where I'm going to photograph my friends and other contacts and and show contemporary pagans doing what pagans do. And of course it was Halloween. One of the other things that comes out very clearly is the fear around pagans and witches. You know, we're actually promoted as as figures of of you know fear and mystery and which which I know some people embrace and that's absolutely fine. But there is that whole thing of of demonizing the practice and the spiritual path. So again I wanted something that challenged that a bit and and common theme that I know from everyone who I know who's a pagan, is that reverence for nature and that connection with nature. So I wanted photographs that kind of represented that in some way and, and reflected that in some way. And, and that was my, my kind of aim in doing this work.
0: And it was so much fun. I was lucky enough to be part of this project.
1: <laughs> yeah I'm making it sound a bit highbrow but a lot of it was just like rocking up in the woods with your mates for an hour or so with, with your camera Um, I did I did just decided to work very much with natural light because I didn't want to carry a load of kit it was just very much a one-to-one thing so again it was people I either knew or had been recommended to me and were willing to to have their photos uh, taken and be publicly acknowledged as pagan because there's all sorts of issues around that um, which i might touch upon a bit in when we talk about the history of photography but yeah it, it was it was great to go out with people and i i asked them to pick somewhere that had meaning for them or you know somewhere that they liked or was their local woods that they might practice in a walk through or just you know had a connection to and so that that was nice too moving to a variety of of places around around West Yorkshire, which I'm based, and, and kind of responding to people and responding to them in those environments and trying to capture something of the energy and the connection that they had with those places and that sense of place.
0: Yeah, and and the, the images you've got are absolutely beautiful if I do say myself because I'm part of one of them (laughs) I got some crackers of you because we we went
1: well I better not say where the place is because people might want to see us there again we went to some local woods in the, the Leeds Bradford area and um we did we did quite a few photos of you in in kind of your your witchy clothing, which I know you like to to wear. I I ask everyone to sort of peer as they want to be represented. And for some people, that's pretty ordinary clothing, very everyday. And for others, it's been full bells and whistles, cloaks, swords, the lot. And so you came to be represented with a few of your sacred objects, as I remember. And then as we were talking, it became clear that you usually work sky clad. In the, so said, yeah, in the bedroom. But of course this was out in the local woods. So we, we kind of cheekily looked at each other and, and I said, Well, I've got my big clay cloak in the car. I went back and got my big cloak so that we could use it as kind of a prop and also be a little bit discreet but also so you could quickly cover up if we needed to now 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 the law in the UK is that it's it's okay to be naked in public but if it calls this public alarm then it's not and it's actually a criminal offence so we were treading that line in in a wood
0: loads of dog walkers walking a a Tuesday morning in October
2: late
1: October we got some images that I was really pleased with and you look so beautiful and liberated in them so it was it was well worth pushing that particular boundary that we agreed obviously to kind of get those few shots of you either completely sky clad or or wrapped in the cloak and reacting to the environment around you one of my favorite shots so yeah it it, it, the, the photography very much came out of each person what they wanted to bring the environment we were in and it, it was very much a, almost like a collab- collaboration a dance between the two of us to create the images there was no pressure but there was a willingness to explore so that's kind of the way it worked
2: I was wondering quite a lot of questions <laughs> I've got milling around my head and I'm also soaking in everything that you're saying as well so there were a few questions one was which was your preference out of the images of people that came in all bells and whistles and people who dressed more ordinarily because it's quite a divisive subject within paganism I mean we joke about it a little bit I like getting all my bells and whistles on but there's like jokes about it being like larping <laughs> sometimes yeah. and people tend to sit on either side of the fence where they absolutely love getting dressed up they feel like the best self or they think well witches are just ordinary people in everyday clothing i kind of sit in the middle one foot on either side of the fence <laughs> but um i wondered if you'd had any sort of preference during your photos because i that's imagine the that... really creative ones you know where people turn up in like everything i imagine that's like that's where you get your wow photos isn't it yes
1: yeah, it's, it's that's a really interesting question because it was a it was a fine line that i trod between wanting the authenticity and the connection with nature and, and capturing people doing what they'd ordinarily do but you know, within the context of it being outside, not everybody works outside, but also that performative aspect that, yeah, if someone is wearing a costume or has a sword to wave around or, you know, has has a cauldron in front of them that's smoking, it works much more in a direct visual representational way. So, yeah, there there was always that pull that tug between them. But some of my favourite photos also are of a, a friend of mine who is pagan, but not out as pagan. Um, she's un- understandably like a lot of people, worried about employment and other issues because of the misunderstandings that, that come around pagan price. And so we shot her in a, a local woodland in clothing that she chose that was would pass as as normal but kind of it kind of blended a bit with the environment and it had a certain sort of witchy vibe if you want to call it that you know it was kind of loose green velvets those kind of yeah the clothes that make people feel comfortable but also feel like their textures and colors that resonate with nature and we shot her anonymously all of the pictures that we shot of her were done anonymously so we've got a picture of her um, embracing a tree but we're focusing in on the ring on her hand on a ritual ring that that means something to her on her hand and her face is out of focus or we're, we're doing photos where again she's kind of posing within the trees but her face is down she's got hair across her face unless you knew who she was and to be honest she was actually wearing a wig so she was pretty unrecognisable and they also there's something about the anonymity that actually lets the viewer read into them so in a way the, the kind of personality of the subject of the photo isn't a distraction it kind of homes in straight away on if you like the connection with nature and the message I was trying to get across and in some ways I think they're some of my more successful photos ironically but yeah I I do get what you're saying it's it's kind of some people feel happy with nothing on some people feel happy working just what they've got with their normal clothing particularly if they're in a public place and other people were just loving the theatricality that can come with pagan practice and pagan costume and and it was lovely to embrace it all that's me I'm very theatrical (laughs)
2: For me, I dress fairly alternative on any given day. So there are obviously days where it's like leggings and a jumper or what have you. But those tend to be like days where I'm like in a slump or what have you. But generally, on any given day... I'm wearing something quite quirky and quite unique. I've got quite heavy makeup on. So stepping into the sort of theatrical dress associated that that I think a lot of people associate with paganism and a lot of it's very sort of fantasy oriented, isn't it? And like based on like fantasy and medieval stuff, which is why I always say about the lap, connotation because if you go to like a LARP convention people will be dressed the same as at a pagan convention and um, you can actually I went to a medieval festival last week and I wore my pagan (laughs) dress um, beautiful red velvet witchy dress that just completely fit in with like the fantasy medieval theme but yeah I think there are a lot of pagans out there who tend to just dress completely like you wouldn't you wouldn't have any idea they were pagan yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, my my starting
1: point was that I wanted to be able to to have the people I was photographing feel as comfortable as possible and to be able to sort of establish a rapport with the real person in front of me because it was portraiture work so it mattered that they represented themselves how they they felt they would need to be and and when I did the first sort of call for people I said if you're a jeans and t-shirt witch that's absolutely fine doesn't mean that they're not part of the whole pagan community and deserve representation as well. But, yeah, I think generally
2: pagan people tend to
1: be a a little bit on the alternative side. I mean, we like stuff
2: as well. Yeah, we like stuff. It's like me and Swales, you know, if we went and had a coffee today, I'm in quite a flowery dress. Swales is usually wearing either blue or green and usually just like jeans and a few layers of like vests and waistcoats and cardigans. Um, <laughs> like we usually an onion. have our witchy jewelry on and our piercings and stuff. And a hat. Yeah. But take us to a pagan camp and it's like Oh, it's to shine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm packing my, like, my belly dancer belt and my, <laughs> my massive blanket ponchos and
1: It's lovely to have these safer spaces where you can fully uh, embrace who you are and show that, I think, in, in your clothing. And, and I think that's that's wonderful. And that is something that I did try to uh, encapsulate in the photos I took, if people were willing to, to present themselves in that way. And most were, yeah. funnily enough. Most were seeing it as an opportunity to embrace that.
2: I think for some people, it's like it's a creative opportunity to let themselves shine, isn't it? Absolutely. And to kind of really immerse themselves in the image that that you have in your head of you as a witch. Because for for, for a lot of us, the reality is that day-to-day, we do witchcraft, we may sit and draw sigils, we may wash our door down with cinnamon on the first of the month or, you know, crafting senses, I'll be reading our witchy books and we'll be doing those in our, like, normal clothing, but we have these images of ourselves as witches as well, and I feel like sometimes it doesn't match up with with what you actually look like, so it gives people an opportunity to really present that side of themselves, doesn't it? It's almost like stepping into your ideal self, isn't it, and representing that. It's
1: an artistic, to me, It's it's a it's performance art, really, in a way. When we get onto the history of of how it's been photographed, witchcraft and pagans, there is a lot of performance art that is is a tradition of that with photographs that have captured those moments, really. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think, particularly as yourselves, as you know, young mothers with a family, kind of how you know what you what you would wear to camp or to do your your ritual stuff is very different to what you might wear turning up at a school event because there's different social pressures on you really aren't there in those different circumstances that there, there yeah. are different people have to make choices all the time at how much they embrace their pagan witchy self in everyday life really
2: yeah i mean especially like i i experienced this sort of daily being obviously like doing full-time tarot reading is that there are different different events different people want different things <laughs> um so at a pagan camp they might want something more akin to you know really really witchy ott dress where if I'm at like a 1920s bar I'm always going to be a bit alternative but I'm going to dress a little bit smarter you've got you've got different outfits for different situations haven't you and it just shows like how many different kinds of witch even one person can be I mean I've always dressed weird before I were a witch
0: witching came after (laughs) I was joking, you know, like what I can wear to the school run, what I can get away with
2: (laughs) pointy hat. I mean, I'm more or less the same. I mean, I became pagan and goth at around the same time. To be fair, I was actually like fairly pagan in childhood. I just didn't have a name for it back then. But by the time I had a name for it, I was already like goth. What was your journey into paganism like, Beverly?
1: Funny enough, I, I used to be involved in community radio. This is going back to like the 1990s, early 1990s. We were always looking for interesting people to interview. There was a woman called Sheila Broon who was a local artist who was running a series of, of courses at the local um, community college called "Aspects of the Goddess." And this was back in the days when um, kind of further education or part-time education would just be leisure. Subjects for um, interest—you didn't have to have a qualification tied to it, which I think absolutely changed the whole way of. But those days, I mean, there was really a variety of lovely things that used to be offered, and I, I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I'll interview her, and I ended up going to the sessions that she did, and it was a—it was a complete eye opener, and it was a bit like coming home. There's just this whole thing about, my God, there's a goddess. You know that the religion isn't this kind of narrow patriarchal system that been kind of around. I mean, I've not been particularly practising, but my children went to a C of E school, so I kind of had more of a flavour of it. And I used to find myself getting quite angry at some of the things they were being taught. And suddenly this, this was like an opening up for God, yeah. You know, this, this kind of balance, this reclaiming of the goddess. And so that that kind of got me interested in, in doing other things that the Sheila introduced me to. She introduced me to some people. And through that, I got involved with a group that was running at Hebden Bridge, which was a group of women who would very generously doing a kind of set of training sessions around all of the festivals and so for like a year or so and they taught the stages of doing a ritual in each one so like the first one we did was kind of like you did purification and the various stages that you might do were tied on so by the end of doing a whole wheel of the year you've kind of gone through the whole stages of what you needed to do to run your own ritual we all just brought food to share and it's very supportive and and the kind of rituals and ceremony did were very much around kind of empowering ourselves or our own self-development so it was it was an absolutely lovely experience from that I ended up doing another year or so with a male partner worked for a sort of another Round of the wheel of the year, and then after that, that relationship sort of ended, and therefore it was a case of like, Where do I go now? And I got into shamanism. There were again various people, just things have tended to happen by serendipity you know, you'd be doing something, and then this name came up, and you've I just thought, well, I'll give that a go. And so for a while, I was doing the kind of drumming, sweat lodge journeying type stuff. And there, there used to be a, a woman who worked um, as a ranger over at Lotherton Hall at the time. And she was running these wonderful events in a teepee there that were kind of about protecting the environment, but had very much a shamanic sort of edge. And then other things, I, I ended up doing other sweat lodges in various places. And then it just got to a point where I got strong messages I just needed to work on my own. So in a way I reined all that energy back. And while I still called myself pagan, I wasn't very public or very active anymore, but I read books. I've always kind of followed the moon a little bit. And yeah, and then I kind of got into five rhythms dancing, which is another spiritual path that has so much. Wow, I've heard of five rhythms. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I I was massive five rhythms dancer for years, years and years, um, and organized local events. There's there's a lot of people, while it isn't a spirit, it's not a pagan path, there's a lot of people who embrace paganism within it. And again, it's about your spirituality, your development, uh, as well as feeling that you've, you're you kind of inhabiting your body. You know? it's, it's one of those things that's always a bit ineffable, and it's, it's quite hard to describe. So I was involved with that for a lot of years, and then got a feeling that I needed to stop that and stopped it, and then embraced it again for a few years. And the thing that's kind of stopped me really has been the pandemic, and then a decline in my physical health really, which means I'm not quite as uh, able to do ten-day workshops or whole weekend workshops as I used to. So that's basically my journey to it. So it's been one of those things that I've always danced around, and I've I've moved through. Oh, there was a bit where I actually was doing quite a lot in the northern tradition, and I made my own drum in that tradition, and that's still one of my most prized. Possession. So I've had a bit of an eclectic path, really, but always kind of felt, yeah, I'm I'm quietly pagan. I I don't wave a big flag about it. But when there's chances to kind of engage in the community or do things like this project, I just love to take those opportunities, really.
0: That's cool. I like that you listen to your own intuition and you just followed stuff, you know, without succumbing to having to show people things. And which a lot of it, I think, I feel sometimes you've got to prove yourself a bit too much, which I'm getting over now as I get older. But when yeah. you start out, you feel like that, don't you? I think I have the benefit
1: of age, you know, and, and also you're just more tired that you can't bother to... <laughs> That's kind of my path, really. Um, cool. So Emma and I have been doing a sort of training for the last three years, isn't it, that's kind of with Libby's the Wiccan lady, who does a kind of witchy school.
0: Indeed, she does, and that's where me and Beverly met. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Beverly. Interested to hear about how you got into it all. But you wanted to talk to us about the history of witches in photography,
1: was it? Yes, we talked a bit at the beginning about, as part of the mentoring project that I was doing, that we kind of had to do research, sort of proper research, you know, kind of, and, and do a bit of a presentation to, to the group. So it kind of focused the mind, really. But it was interesting for me to look back and see how witches and pagans had been represented, really. And it, it was mostly witches, to be honest. Pagans are a little bit hidden as a, as a group, witches are obviously the easy archetype to go for. So I kind of looked back over Pretty much the, it was most of the 20th century stuff really up to the present day and one of the key figures right at the beginning was this this chap called william mortenson who was a very eminent uh hollywood photographer back in the sort of 1920s early 30s he did this series of witches kind of soft porn with the nude witch on a broomstick <laughs> you know the male totally male fantasy type figures but these were understandably quite popular one of the interesting things about mortison's work is that he was almost one of the forerunners of what we'd call photoshop now he did a lot of manipulating his film with razor blades and scratching and and other techniques to try and give a bit of atmosphere to them so they weren't straight beautifully lit portraits exactly like his hollywood work had, had done and it came to a bit of a Bit of a grief in hollywood because he was i think alleged to have had some sort of affair with faye ray who was the struggling woman in the hands of king kong in the in the movie that actress and, and as, a, as a result he kind of um fell a little bit out of grace so he started his own photographic school for many years was very influential with amateur photographers because he did a lot of um teaching articles he wasn't accepted by the mainstream ansel adams the uh, famous photographer called him the devil. Um, because they oh felt God. he's kind of because of his fantasy subject matter and his techniques that weren't the very photorealistic sort of modernist fashion at the time. So yeah, he kind of fell a bit out of grace. But he he was one of the early proponents of, of the uh, glamorous woman on a, <laughs> a broomstick archetype of a witch, if you like. And obviously that 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 goes back into art. That's that's kind of there's a history of that in the history of art. But I won't I won't go too closely into that today. And then this this one is, um, we've all seen The Wizard of Oz, so that's very much the Wicked Witch is the archetype there. And there was a famous photo done by Virgil Atker, very influential in terms of, of photographic representation of, of witches. And then we jump forward to um, the 1950s really. Of course we've had the repeal of the uh, Witchcraft Act in I think it was 1951, wasn't it? And Gerald Gardner, he's on the scene publishing books like High Magic's Aid, and, and other books and you suddenly get a, a run through the 50s and 60s into the 70s of, of photographic representation of actual witches in books that are explaining witchcraft or kind of intended to inform and there's a whole conflicted history there about whether people were happy about the secrets being revealed and Gerald Gardner was very much as I understand it a proponent of, of Explaining what went on because he wanted to recruit it, he, he recruit to the, the religion in a way that a lot of people say he founded. So in that sense, there's, there there are all these interesting photos, but they they do tend again to be naked high priest. So the, the the kind of there's an interesting sort of um, if you like dichotomy here of of like there's these cozy pictures of people in their their front rooms with you know patterned carpets, patterned wallpaper, um, and a whole lot of ritual objects doing things like this picture of of Eleanor Ray Raybone who was associated with with the Wiccan movement, I think initiated by by Gardner. And then also these other ones where later on you've got the high priestesses like Maxine Sanders in states of of sky-cladness, if you want to call it that. And quite often the male figures are still clothed, the female are unclothed, but that also could be because of obviously the publication laws around it, there's a, you know, there's, there's certain sort of um, sexism in, in that at the time, there's inequalities in that. So you do get these whole sets of of kind of actual ritual uh, photographs or people, if you like, staging rituals to be photographed, whether they're the actual rituals or not. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of the context of the the photography. Then you get up to kind of the the seventies and you start to get Mostly from America, a blending of the women's movement and the witch archetype. There was this this movement in America called. I just have to check the name because it's an acronym, and I can never remember what it stands for because they kept changing what it stands for. So let me. It was the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, and they staged (laughs) from hell. (laughs) <laughs> hell, yeah. And they staged public demonstrations over various things like a Wall Street and other things, dressed as witches in the in the archetype or pointed hat. Um and it, it was very much done as a, a political movement. And then at other times it they described themselves as women inspired to women inspired to tell her collective history. That's another acronym for it, and then women incensed at telephone company harassment when some of them had some problems with the Bell Telephone Company. So it kind of was blended to change it, and it it was a very public representation of witches. But there were also lots of divisions within the um, the sexual politics of it at the time. They were very left leaning, apparently, and some other people felt they were kind of bringing the movement into disrepute if you like the women's movement into disrepute so it's a whole new subject itself but it's interesting that they chose that particular archetype to be if you like a, a, a figure of rebellion then there was some really interesting brilliant work around connection with earth one of the other artists that kind of um inspired me with this project was, was anna mendieta who worked in the uh, 1970s did a lot of of work around the connection with earth so she has these wonderful images that were actually sort of performance pieces where there's a hollowed out piece of rock that's the shape of a woman, a fiery outline that's just the fire that is a shape of a woman. This kind of philosophical belief that there was this kind of connection between inanimate and inanimate objects, that everything was connected, which I think resonates a lot with a lot of pagan thinking. Tabby died very young, really, in early 40s. And then this one, Mary Beth Edelson, who did... Similar work at similar time, kind of goddess figures with shell heads, powerful naked sort of poses and long exposure photography with people in in sort of circles of candles. So, again, yeah, pretty much um, quite revolutionary for its time. And then coming up to present day, there's been some really interesting work done by American photographers, American female photographers on representations of witches and other psychic and occult practitioners. And One of the key ones is is Francis F. Denny. He used a book and an exhibition in 2020 called Major Arcana. And, and it's a selection of environmental portraits of witches. Again, people taken in places where they their own homes or where they feel comfortable. And they're very straight, very beautiful portraits of women just being with a little with a, a kind of statement for each portrait of kind of what their spirituality is about so they've they've got a voice to these pictures it's a lovely book i've got a copy if you want to have a look at sometime, but i do recommend it i'll put a link for, that you can put in your, your your description if you like because it's it's a lovely book to look at and one of the one the funny of one of the witches in that is starhawk who people of my age would re- recognize as a a key name in the development of kind of witchcraft particularly um witchcraft that's that's tied in with the women's movement and and there's a beautiful portrait of her now in that well worth a look and then another one that is is again I would recommend people have a look at another artist called Kiri Saw. again I think is a professor at a a university in in Los Angeles associate professor and she's done a, a brilliant set of photographs of the LA district where all the occult shops are So they're a mixture of shop windows with neon signs and various um, items in them that kind of signify witchcraft, occult practice and pictures of the practitioners themselves, the shop owners. So they vary from sort of quite straight portraiture to some that are quite conceptual, really, and beautifully done. And because both of these women are quite eminent and award winning and exhibited and, you know, get work published in magazines and professional photographers the The quality of the photography is just you know so um yeah I was I kind of looked at those and thought oh what am I trying you know but they are <laughs> inspirational they are lovely images so if you do get a chance to to see those
0: um I, I would recommend them to anyone cool it's nice to see the progression though isn't it from the witch on the broom and the witch with the green face and the warts and all that all the way up to present day yeah. normal witches and
1: and very much from which is being determined by the male gaze the male fantasy figure moving right up to which is where it's very much females having their own voice their own control over the representation and and female photographers embracing that and giving that opportunity if you like allowing that expression it definitely it kind of tracks the um women's consciousness, if you like, movement throughout that century up till now, in, in the way that they're represented. Because in in they are much more in the work of Denny and, and very particularly some are as we discussed earlier, very ordinary clothes, pass them in the supermarket, think there's anything witchy about them, and others very much embracing their Persona as a lifestyle, it's, it's their personality, it's not a persona, it's not a mask they put on, it's actually who they are. And that comes across very strongly in in photographs with some of them, you know, with really direct gaze and really strong representations. You feel the power of these women. It's 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 a nice book,
0: kind of make it. <laughs> like goddesses. Yeah. <laughs> Goddess poses. I love it. Definitely. Yeah, it's to take a long time, on it though, it's taken nearly a century to get there.
1: Yeah. That's but cool. then again, that's the same century that the whole women's movement has, has moved forward. You know, it's kind of, that's true. yeah, I know when I started my working life, the, like the Equal Pay Act only came in when I started my working life. So it's, you know, it's a, you kind of forget that it's that recent. It's part of our history and memory, some of these things. Um, all of mind. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, as I say, it, it was interesting because I'd started the process of doing the photos and then I discovered this partway through, but it was it was lovely. It was like yeah, it was it was quite validating that you know other professional photographers did it much better than me, but they they actually thought it was worth doing this work as well because they were doing something similar. But the difference also with mine is that mine is representing pagans rather than witches. So there are people on different paths within my photographs and there are males as well. Most of the witch work is is focused on the female, apart from your Gerald Gardners and and those sort of people playing the high priest role, but to actually get portraits of, of male pagans practitioners which is is it's kind of a nice balance really in the work that I did so within it i had um a couple of the males i think yeah it was actually two males one of whom was a kind of high priest of a a wiccan coven and the other was a druid a practicing druid so they were on very different paths but both very much um embracing those spiritual paths that they'd chosen to follow and and living that in their lives if you see what i mean so one of the pictures i did of the the wiccan uh, high priest was In a local park where there was a stone, which actually is called the Witch's Stone, I found out since. And he's played around this stone since he was a boy. It's always been part of his mental picture of nature and the environment around him. And then, as a recently, he was able to um, hand fast a couple of his friends at this stone. So it has a kind of personal meaning to him in that respect and we did some pictures again it's, it's in a park there's dog walkers going by it's you know it's a busy place there's a cafe up the top not anywhere that you would think is particularly mystical but there's this beautiful stone that kind of no one quite knows why it's there but it's been called the witch's stone a bit like, um, it, like a monolith really it's it's a kind of tall stone up to about kind of head height and so the pictures I got of him were kind of embracing this stone or uh, leaning against it kind of in connection with it did other pictures where he's waving his sword and other things, but the ones that I kind of chose in the final selection were very much these ones in this simple connection with the stone. And it's all about the expression on his face, this absolute kind of peaceful, like it looks like he's at home, a sense of his face is shining. I'm at home here. And it, 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 they're, they're two of my favourite pictures, really. And we talked earlier a bit about kind of how you represent something kind of ineffable and magical without it becoming too performative and that's been my challenge all the way through this as my skills in Photoshop have have grown because I started out doing very straight portraiture as I gained skills I had the ability and also I could see that there was an added flavor if I used add a sort of magical overlay to things and I'm not talking necessarily about you know big moon in the sky and sparks and things although I have I have done that for fun but on these it was just like maybe changing the quality the colouring and colour toning and just adding maybe a little bit of, of kind of mist or texture to the pictures that helped enhance The atmosphere that that I hoped the pictures were putting across. So in this one where the high priest is, is in connection with the stone, I've kind of blurred out the background quite a bit and made it softer and greener and just so in a way he's encapsulated in a moment, in a bubble, in a kind of magical bubble within that very public place that's kind of the approach I took with it and that grew in the course of the project at the beginning I was thinking yeah these are portraits and, and one of the, the challenges was that because I was taking them at different times in different places the light quality is really different and photographing under trees with not much light ain't easy and I found that as well so there's lots I would do differently if I was going to do this project again and I do still hope to expand it it's kind of life has got in the way yeah i've learned a lot by doing it and as my skills have increased i think i would do things slightly differently if i did it again but yeah and, and i'm finding people are people in the photos and other people are responding more to the ones where i've just got this subtle sense of of magic that i'm doing in post-production i'm not wanting to do you know, make it seem like they're on top of a mountain with lightning coming down, and, you know, less, Gandalf, or anything less, like that. I'm like, less, not is doing more, less is exactly. more. Less <laughs> is more. Exactly. Just a little hint of of something that, that enhances the um, the quality of the the photos, really, in the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like the da- dapple effect you did on the one where I'm sat down, kid and you did the really yeah, I... dapple light. I'm what asking. that actually
1: was i'd taken some photographs of the trees whenever i'm in one of the environments i try to take pictures of that environment so there was like some tree canopies tree barks and then i use those as overlays and textures and so they again, it's like the environment is blending in with the subject of the photography and i found that's good and also skies are beautiful and sometimes using the sky as a texture and it's a technique I've used on some of the the recent photographs I've done with you and Jody for promoting this podcast as well is using those kind of natural elements as, as textures and overlays in the photos to just enhance try and create a feeling
0: yeah no, it's, and it's a really lovely thing to do I at the day we did it I mean I had so much fun I didn't feel the cold until I actually got dressed <laughs> and then after they <laughs> like Bloody hell, I'm crazy. <laughs> you, you were definitely in your element in the skyline oh,
1: picture. you were in all of them. And I think we were very fortunate. The, the, the light through the trees was very kind to us that day. So we did manage to get some beautiful pictures of your face lit by natural light, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. That's always the challenge, is, is finding the light. And particularly if, if someone comes in a black dress, which
0: people oh, do. I know. Yeah, Cat <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Working
1: with, of working with that contrast range in a, a set of photos, It's yeah, there's been some... So definitely some technical challenges that I've had to face. I had so much fun doing it. And as I say, it was a cold time of year. It was took them all between sort of, it was late September to middle of December. And yeah, some of those days were cold. But yeah, I did some beautiful shots and, and lovely. And there's a bittersweet nature because some of those places that I took photographs of, of people don't exist in that form anymore. They don't have access to them anymore for various reasons. Um, and one of the other people I took her health has declined and so she now wouldn't be able to do the things that she's doing in that photograph and so it it feels very much like we captured a moment in time as well and that they're very bittersweet particularly the ones where person hasn't no longer has access to the the location because it meant so much to her through circumstances beyond her control it's no longer available I look back on those and it, it kind of Gives me a lump in the throat, really. I feel a bit of a personal connection to everyone I photographed and when you edit someone you're staring at their face very closely and so you feel like you know these people better than you actually do
0: oh familiar when
1: you see them again you go up oh like you're an old friend but actually you've only spent an hour and a half with them on that occasion it's a very intimate experience doing a one-to-one shoot and talking about people's spirituality and how they want to be represented it's it's a very privileged experience and I I really felt that and and I honor that and I treasure that
0: yeah and you can tell you you make people feel at ease which means you Get you know better photographs because people know they can they're in a safe space with you and stuff, and that in itself is a big deal to be a photographer. Oh, so you, thank you. you. Can't really do that if people are not into you. Where can our listeners find you?
1: That's an interesting one. Some of my work is on Instagram. I tend not to update it. I really, I, I've talked about doing a Facebook group for this because there's, I do have a list of people who I've said, yeah, I'm going to pick this back up again and photographs who are, I. Are keen to be photographed and for various reasons i've just not been able to get around to it and i would like to do that so it would be nice to have somewhere been in the absence of that best place is probably my instagram i don't have all the pictures on there but maybe after this podcast i'll go and upload a few more <laughs> and, and put on there but yeah that's where you can find me you can that's probably the best place to see see my photography is my instagram which is beverly thornton beverly with three e's so yeah please go on there and give me a follow and comments welcome and and what have you and if, if you are in the west Yorkshire area and you don't mind someone who can't really has got a lot of time to do it and is held back by physical things like a back that's going all the time at the minute but you would like to be a photographic subject a part of the project because I would like to keep it going I so enjoyed it I, ideally I'd like three you know I'd like a pagan for every day of the year I'd like a book that says 365 pagans amazing I love that yeah that oh would be God. nice wouldn't it so that would good. be nice yeah yeah a so, portrait for every day so yeah if, if you people are interested just comment on your podcast and i'll, I'll make contact if i can
0: yeah uh, we'll yeah, link just, like, you up and everything and uh recently beverly did our pictures for the podcast and they're just so good i really love them oh bless you they're on the <laughs> hill and i like the one where i'm drinking coffee looking oh that was coffee. hilarious
1: that one wasn't it yeah <laughs> trying you to get across the the kind of idea of like you know you're, you're a mother and trying to fit your spiritual practice in between real life so there's there's Emma sort of looking like oh
0: shagged out with him, drinking a cup of coffee and then
1: there's, <laughs> and there's Jodie looking quite spiritual with her tarot cards
0: you know? I loved it it was just so it. so important to me to get a bit of humor in it Do you know yeah. rather than it being a serious photo shoot because our podcast is sort of 50 percent serious and 50 percent silly yeah. <laughs> And when, when you've got kids around, you know you've always got to be silly. You've you've got to so, and you caught it really well. I think it comes across pretty cool, and we'll slowly share them throughout yeah, the year. So lovely, it was a pleasure thank you very much
1: thank you for having me as they say yeah just keep being beautiful all you pagan people because i will turn up with my camera and capture (laughs) you you know your diversity and your grittiness and your your beautiful selves thanks very much wales thank you bye (laughs) Bye bye-bye for now